Signal Bonus Episode When you're lost, who do you want to find you? In what form does this creature manifest? And at what time in the night does he come for you? Every year, millions of hardworking Americans experience cosmic encounters with moderate to severe disorientation. Christor can help. Christor is a handheld calcite defibrillator capable of generating surges and binary distress signals throughout the Sigma Quadrant. Christor is not for everyone. Some aquatic mammals have experienced dizziness and confusion while using Christor. Side effects do include blood glow, tear mist, and purpling of the skin and eyes. Tell your doctor if you are pregnant and have not had intercourse within the past 18 months, or if you are nursing and have no children of your own. Christor has not been approved for simians or micropachyderms. Ask your shaman if Christor is right for you. Isn't it your turn to bear the crystal? Well, that was strange. Even for me. You are listening to the sound of the signal. Aspect key, jejun. The varied texts of the signal, which have been recovered over the ages, have at times been lost, found, translated, forged, or otherwise mishandled. Listener, discern. On this special transmission, we will be hearing a sonic document from the origins of nonchalance. Here I am pleased to present the pilot radio broadcast of dispatches from elsewhere, which for years was transmitted on a constant loop in Dolores Park in the Mission District of San Francisco. The broadcast and its surrounding universe was the inspiration of AMC's television series Dispatches from Elsewhere. Most of the business locales you hear mentioned during the broadcast are no longer there. And if you listen closely, you may just hear the voice of our beloved Sentinel when she originally made herself apparent to us. Enjoy. And now, Cryptic Radio brings you The Secret of Nonchalance. What is the secret? What is nonchalance? And who are its hidden followers? Are they friendly or a menace? What does their existence portend to today's tense world of political, economic, and spiritual bedlam? Listen carefully, and we will tell you. This is your announcer, Commander 14, broadcasting for a limited time on this special frequency. Keep tuned for vital information. Follow along as we disclose a world whose secret presence may mean the difference between enlightenment and total incomprehension. Pay close attention. Now we shall examine that shadowy group who follow the ideal of nonchalance. And just what do we mean by nonchalance anyway? A casual way of sauntering down the street? A kind of cool, perhaps? An attitude? Or something more? You like cartoons, don't you? Of course you do. Everyone likes cartoons. Now picture in your mind a cartoon character, any cartoon character, sleepwalking. You've seen this cartoon before, haven't you? Observe as our animated protagonist stumbles blindly out of bed, down the stairs, and out the front door, onto a busy street. He easily but narrowly dodges impending danger, seemingly without effort or awareness. Bricks from a construction site almost, but do not 
fall on him. Cars come within a hair's breadth of running him over. At the last minute, as he's about to step into an open manhole in the street, he's miraculously spared the fall. And after numerous similar close calls, his unconscious path is turned around in a revolving door and in his own building. By fortunate coincidence, he's somehow returned to bed unharmed by the end of the cartoon. It's a certain definite attribute this character possesses to be able to stumble and goof through life with nary a care prodigiously protected and provided for by the invisible hand of good fortune. This ability to be supported and guarded by extraordinary good luck is called divine nonchalance. Our concept may have its origins in the Book of Thoth, or that deck of fortune-telling cards called the Tarot. It appears on the card which is listed as number zero in the Major Arcana. That card is the Fool. It depicts a youth lightly stepping to the edge of a precipice. He looks out into the distance. The abyss at his feet holds no terrors for him. The fool is about to enter the supreme adventure, that of passing through the gates of experience to receive divine wisdom. He is the cosmic life breath, about to descend into the abyss of manifestation. His image signifies a certain blessed carelessness, a freedom from inhibition that sparks and inspires creativity. Long ago, the term nonchalance was adopted to describe certain peoples who possessed the gift. If you possess it, as visionary artists often do, then there is a strong likelihood that you too may be one of the divine nonchalants. But beware, like any other gift, it comes with a price, direct knowledge of the abyss. The symbol of the special power of nonchalance is not found on the fourth card, the emperor, or on the nineteenth card, the sun. Instead, we find it on card zero, the fool. Look at it this way. A drunk can often fall down a flight of stairs without much harm, a fall that would put a sober person in the hospital. Clowns, wise guys, drunks, and musicians comprise the salty sort of downtrodden folk who usually possess this superpower in spades. It's an attribute with built-in appeal, so, of course, we also find it in cartoon characters. They're a special breed, these lucky folks. If they have true nonchalance, they can receive protection from the hard edges of the universe, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. It's a shame and a supreme irony that they'll never quite know what to do with it. We designate such an individual as a nonchalant with a T. How do we know him or her? By definition, the nonchalant is wonderfully scattered and lacking in all external direction. The ride is fantastic, but the destination remains uncertain. You are listening to Radio Nonchalance, dispatches from elsewhere. Support for this program has been provided by the Elsewhere Public Works Agency. The EPWA provides for the management and maintenance of the pervasive yet effervescent extra-dimensionally located elsewhere. The EPWA supports infra-destructure, commotion and confusion, street life, routes, alleys, secret stairways, wells, tunnels, UFOs, drive-ins, cloud-busting, obfuscation and clarification, deep-sea monkey business, rustic dynamism, trap doors, warp zones, aerosol heritage, flea markets, the hollow earth, smoke shops, and candy stores. Now, back to our program. This is Commander 14, broadcasting on the cryptic frequency. Keep listening for special announcements, 
on this encryption. The era of nonchalance is at hand. Look about you. Can you tell, listener, that the world of nonchalance is all about you, just beyond ordinary plain sight? Hearken to this broadcast. While the channels are open, the nonchalant world may become apparent for a limited time. Be ready. To help you in your quest, you will require transcripts of this program. This broadcast is available in transcript form, but these are not universally available. Transcripts from today's program are available at the following locations. The Pirate Shop, 826 Valencia. Needles and Pens, 16th Street at Guerrero. Dog-Eared Books, 900 Valencia Street at 20th. You can also find this list on the EPWA site, www.elsewherepublicworks.com. And now, let us indulge in a truly rare encounter. Our guest on today's program is renowned among the Lost Tribe, having played a very special function in the delivery of Eva to her foredoomed mission. During the early 80s, he ran with the Savants crew of San Francisco, where he gained fame for his prolific street art, dance routines, and singular style and vernacular. Creatively, a kindred spirit of the East Coast's Ram LZ, he existed in a plateau of his own. Until something went wrong. What vice or villainy was behind this miscarriage of nonchalance? Let us listen. Let us learn. Here on Radio Nonchalance, a conference with Kendall Laz, known to many as The Laz. Kendall, where have you been for the last 15 years? Well, I toggle, you know, kind of switch up, man. I fluctuate here and there. Can you offer us a small glimpse into the location? Well, it's pretty difficult to translate, man. It's like apples and oranges, except if the apple was a pomegranate, you know. And um, who would be the orange in this scenario? Come on, 14. You know who the orange is. Let's talk about your artwork. During the early 90s, your paintings were escalating in value. Can you discuss your work at that time? Well, really, I was just trying to get beyond the wild style. Mm Mm-hmm. And through chemical fusion, I broke the code. Talk about the code. Nah, no thanks, man. Candle. All right, man, check it out. Wild style, it has no rules in itself. To have no rules is to be an ism. No government is allowed to steal subconscious symbols. Mm -hmm. Now, due to the knowledge of reality construction... Man, you know, it's so much resistance all the time, just like not understanding the music and the art and the, and, and, and the love and the freedom. Can you address the origins of this equation? Once again, equations don't have parents. They've always been there, man. Like the sperm or the ova or the embryo. They don't have a language or a format. They just are. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's the conviction placed upon the human fruit throughout the format I call warlike conversational education, deemed by the clergies for their gangsterism or government with the intent of a language retractional erosion. So this is the era you were most known for, the early 90s gallery scene. Your profile in the L.A. art world was taking off. Your pieces were catching astonishing prices. And then what happened? Man, I had to break the code, man. I had to destroy the evidence because ordinary people were trying to use these paintings as a map to follow us in there, man. You know, so I had to destroy it. They had to be destroyed. Yeah, they had to be destroyed, man. I used a stylistic weaponry to systematically degrade the value of those paintings. And over a course of a few years, I used my new work to gradually corrode my status amongst these jerkalopes, man. (laughs) 
By the time I was done, my name was so degraded. <laughs> it was like I had to erase my trail. I had to go back and pick up the breadcrumbs, man. You know, a whole career lost and gone. A whole buried city, man, underneath. You know what I'm saying? They couldn't even follow us, man. They couldn't follow us to elsewhere. Indeed. <laughs> That's my masterpiece right there. You know what I'm saying? Are you still painting, Lars? <laughs> yeah, I'm still painting. What are your new pieces like? Well, it's not with paint, though. You know what I'm saying? It's with garbage, microorganisms, you know? Yes, that's interesting. It's still evolving, though, literally. Marvelous. You just wait, man. The fungus will soon be among us, and it's going to be nothing we could do about it, man. But you know it's growing right now. People just really can't see it because they're used to looking at paintings with real paint, but they're not really used to seeing an artwork made out of fungus or organisms. You know what I'm saying? Well, I guess they'll have to get used to it. Mm -hmm. uh, but to go back a little, who started the savants? Nobody did, man. That shit started itself. When did the controversy begin? Day one. First, nobody was used to seeing the Beat Boys and the Punks hanging out together. Mm -hmm. It's all the same energy, though, man, let alone making art, music, fusing styles. That's right, man. You know, but it wasn't just street art, though. It was bizarre flyers, too. Zines, mad rants in the middle of the street and on the corner on the soapbox. Performances, role-playing, stunts, pranks, public space exploration, and reclamation, too, man. Like touring the bunkers and the tunnels underneath the city. Deaf schools and suicide clubs were all following our lead back then, man. But didn't they start in the 70s? Like I've been saying, man. Oh. Time is irrelevant. Come on, Commander. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, man, you know. Okay, now where was I? Oh, yeah, right. The suicide clubs, the cacophony society, all just jocking the savants, man. Trying to co-op nonchalance. It's impossible. But they did it with style. Yeah. I can admit they sure did, though. So, how did the savants come to an end? The mad pranks, man. Ava was on this thing, you know, disassembling the internal systems at her school. Just dismantling the infrastructure, you know what I'm saying, from the inside, man, you know. <laughs> she did it with grace, though. First, she started messing with the PA system at the school. Switching the recorded announcements around. Hilarious, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> then there was a seagull caper. Now, see, this was a real good one, man. You see, she had all the savants going down to the football field and feeding the seagulls at night. We'd be out there partying up with loaves of bread, Wonder Bread, you know, because it was a wonderful thing. So we had to use Wonder Bread, you know. <laughs> we did that for a couple of weeks at a time, for a month, about twice a week, maybe three times a week. <laughs> but we all, when we did it, we had the football jerseys on, the Galileo football team, right? It was a big deal at the time, you know. The team was undefeated, right? They had all the confidence in the world. They didn't think they could be beaten at all. They do this thing where they run through the big banner, and it's like the Alfred Hitchcock movie, man. Oh. It's the motherfucking birds. Total chaos. Flocks of seagulls getting really aggressive and swooping down on the football team, dude. <laughs> T went on like for 20 minutes. Before the whole team just retreated back to the locker room because of the seagulls, man. And it was game over. And it just didn't go nowhere. At least for them, it didn't. So brilliant. Um, yeah, man. Uh, oh, let's discuss for a moment mm -hmm. your relationship to Ava Lucien. Mm. Yeah, man, Ava. Sweet Evelyn, that girl. On first impression, did you realize who she was? At the time, I didn't even know I was a descendant. But definitely, when I first saw her, I was definitely thinking, who is that woman? She was just a star, wherever she went. Radiant. Sending out a signal, a vibrational frequency, man, of extraordinary magnitude. You know what I'm saying? Could you see it? Oh, yeah, man. Sometimes you could. But even if you couldn't actually see it, though, you could see it happening all around her, man. It was like a magnet, man. Like the urban wildlife, you know? Just buzzing around her. We'd be kicking it at the Koi Tower, eating a violent crumble or whatever, you know? And suddenly, there's this goddamn possum crawling out of the storm drain. It just walked right up to her and, like, bow down, you know? You got motherfucking squirrels, pigeons, just flocking around. Like she's Snow White or something or whatever. And coming out from the Fillmore, man, 
We were just bugging out. Those days seem so simple compared to what we've got now. That was before the microwave harassment. And, and when that synthetic telepathy started, how did you deal with that? Well, man, you know, I find myself like, you know, being in the grocery store or something, you know, and uh, every once in a while I'd see somebody just like walk past me and kind of like look at me in the eye and just keep on going down the aisleway or something. Or when I'd start making my way toward, you know, the checkout line, well, all of a sudden this family would just like kind of step in front of me, you know, just to kind of like kind of like gather in front of me. And it, everything would just take a long, a long time. You know, it seems like it would just take long enough just for somebody to like slip me a Mickey because I'm impatient and I'm waiting just long enough to like, you know. Slipped a Mickey in, you know. You know. Well, now we know that that was deliberate, and it was the phenomenon of gang stalking. Yeah, that's right. And then when somebody, and then when the next cash register would open up down at the end, you know, uh, I, I would go to, uh, you know, get him get with that cash register, you know, just so I can get the hell out of the market. But then it's like, like five other people would just like run up in front of me and just be there, and then before yeah. you know it, man, it's like. Somebody searching through their pockets, you know, looking for some kind of change or something and just taking forever, man. The same thing at the post office, too. The post office is the worst, man. Well, and, you know, the mundanes, the normals, they just think it's a coincidence. Uh, you want to grab a hold of them and shake them, uh, wake them up. Of course, they're getting the pharmaceuticals in the drinking water. Yeah. Got to be careful about you the know, water these sometimes, days. Sometimes, man, the water, man, it's... um. It's ever so slight, but it's got that metallic taste. You can tell if you're looking for it. Yeah. Well, Les, uh, I think you wanted to tell us about the dust, what they're doing with the dust in your house. Well, man, you know, I'm right now I'm working on a laboratory, you know. I'm working on a laboratory. Uh, I call it the Cube. Is it like a clean room? It's a, you know, it's... It's fairly clean, you know. At first it was a little dirty, you know, so I had to clean it out. I had to clean out the corners because I had to set the preface with uh, painting the room black. And then in the corners of the room, you know, where you got the corners of the four-cornered room is adorned with very bright, bright, rich metallic gold, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, you want the paint to stick, you know. So sometimes, man, when I would leave and I'd go to the store, you know, get some food or something— I'd come back a couple hours there, you know, and it always really takes a long time to get some food because, like I'm saying, it's yeah. always some fool or some jerk in the front of the line. The gang stalking. You know, the gang stalking or grandma can't find her coupon or whatever. I come back, man, and the key, the key, when I put the key in the lock to open up the door, it just, I have to fiddle with that key so long, man, so... You know, my patience it has worn a little short, you know, after a while. And when I get up there to finish painting, man, there's, like, more dust and gravel in the corners. So then I have to, like, get the broom and sweep out. I have to, like, sweep out the room before I get to finish, before I even get to start, uh, you know, continuing my paint job. Because I have to have my environment right in order to have my chaos in place to create the, to create the creation. It's another case of where they're just making it harder than it should be because the dust, uh, when you sweep it, can can land in the paint. Then you'd have to repaint and like that. Yeah, you got to repaint, you know. And sometimes I find myself just getting impatient and painting over the dust. But then you get these ugly little dust balls in the corner and then it just don't look right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah that dust is toxic too. They've been testing it. They've... Found uh, some bad stuff in that, I understand. Yeah. And that, and also, uh, it's almost like bug poison. And those dead moths on the, the windowsill that have been showing up in there, I don't think um, those died from poison. I think, I think someone's putting them there. Well, man, okay, let me tell you something. Check this out, man, right? So I'm trying to help my mom clear out these flies, you know, so I'm looking up on the windowsill and I see like about like 10 or 11 flies. Yeah, there are far more than would be there naturally. Far, far more that would be there naturally. And she doesn't really know, she doesn't really know where they're coming from. So, you know, of course you want to help out moms, right? So I spend the majority of the time at home cleaning out these dead flies, either cleaning out dead flies or killing the flies. They keep gathering up around the window pane. 
Well, right? the flies have filth on their legs and the moths have the dust. Of course, they bring in, in more dust. Yeah, yeah. So it's constantly, constantly uh, like a distraction because of these damn flies. They it's amazing the way on the, the way they go about it. It always seems natural, like the way the screws are coming out of the cabinets. They say it's because heavy traffic is going by in the freeway and the vibrations. I don't believe it for a minute. I know, and I think you know, people have been going in there and they've been unscrewing those screws, so the whole structure is kind of weak, ready to collapse. Yeah, yeah, it's a little shaky, you know, and it wasn't happening like that before. If only they would, you know, come out and oppose us so we could fight them. But it's always this this crap, this petty stuff. And in a way, this is harder to deal with than, than just uh, if they would oppose us on the streets. Well, you know, man, evolution is the answer. That's right. Evolution and survival. Just like uh, a lot of the animal species, you know, survived the Ice Age, the nonchalance survived this age. We have to, because they need us. Amen to that. It's just like that, and that's the way it is. Joke Narangin, home car, Ra-run car, so hung, shot numb. Joke Narangin, home car, Ra-run car, so hung, shot numb. What you're hearing now is the Breatharian Chant, brought to you by Mr. Wiley Brooks of the Breatharian Institute of America, or BIA. This, like other selections you may have heard tonight, can be found on Cult Music, Sounds of the Most Eccentric Cults and Communes of the 70s, which is dedicated to the memory of Peggy Lucien. You can get your copy of this rare Cult Music disc, which is essential, by the way, at Aquarius Records, 1055 Valencia Street at 22nd, and Force of Habit Records, 3565 20th Street at Lexington by playing and replaying these cult music selections you can arrive at a better understanding of your duty and destiny as nonchalance and now the news scientists discovered that eating blueberries and having friends are good for the memory and that pregnancy and smoking are bad for it. Nautiluses can remember useful things, but only for a day, whereas cuttlefish, which are much more sophisticated cephalopods, observe and form preferences for their future prey when they are still embryos. Swiss biologists determined that stupid flies live longer than smart flies, because intelligence wears out flies' tiny brains. Neuroscientists found that sloths sleep around nine and a half hours a day. Previous research had studied only captive sloths who sleep on an average 16 hours a day, possibly because they are bored and depressed. Attention! Beware of false nonchalance! Unscrupulous individuals who have stumbled across the secret may claim to be able to provide the protection and secret lore of the nonchalant always for a price. Give no credit to these hucksters, these mountebanks and flim-flam men. By their fruit, so shall ye know them. False nonchalance offers no shield against the dark forces of destruction but rather renders the foolish seeker even more vulnerable to them. Know and reject the attributes of false nonchalance. Denounce and renounce its false prophets. True nonchalance is not for sale. It is to be found within the individual human organism. It is to be cultivated and developed as would be the rarest of plants in an avid horticulturist's garden. 
false nonchalance, like the fabled grapes of Tantalus, recedes from the grasp of the seeker, even as he or she reaches for it. True nonchalance, if sought for in the proper spirit, falls effortlessly into the palm, like a ripe fruit falling from a tree. In the middle 1600s, among the many pilgrims to the New World, certain Welsh travelers were early nonchalants. Their term for the state of being, which we call nonchalants, was defater. These rogues or adventurists, as others characterized them, were protected by the power of divine nonchalance, and they were also able at this early time to seek protection from the Nashua. They were a New England North American tribe who themselves had preserved from earlier cycles the secrets of nonchalance. In all charity, they shared these with the Welsh travelers, and nonchalance once again was sealed in the engram on a willing and susceptible populace. The nonchalants made the power of luck their hidden protection, flourishing while other groups passed from the scene, always concealing their presence from the larger number of the uninitiated. The Native American Ohlone tribe, also known as the Costanoan and as the Muwekma, lived in the San Francisco and Monterey Bay areas since the 6th century, stretching as far south as the present-day Salinas Valley. They spoke diverse dialects of the Penutian, or Utian, language, and lived in over 50 distinct villages. Before the cultural disaster of Spanish colonization, these people did not view themselves as one unified group of people. The Olone once lived by hunting, fishing, and gathering. Their sophisticated worldview, however, included shamanism and the cultivation of the divinely fortunate, or nonchalance, in their midst. But from 1769 to 1833, Spanish policies, including those of the Spanish missions of California, brought tremendous upheaval, hardship, and mass extermination to the Olone people. The survivors concealed the doctrine of nonchalance from the priests and soldiers of the hated new regime, keeping it hidden up to the present day. You are listening to Radio Nonchalance, dispatches from elsewhere. Support for this program has been provided by the Elsewhere Public Works Agency. The EPWA provides for the management and maintenance of the pervasive yet effervescent extra-dimensionally located elsewhere. The EPWA supports infra-destructure, commotion and confusion, street life, routes, alleys, secret stairways, wells, tunnels, UFOs, drive-ins, cloud busting, obfuscation and clarification, deep-sea monkey business, rustic dynamism, trap doors, warp zones, aerosol heritage, flea markets, the hollow earth, smoke shops, and candy stores. Now, back to our program. Attention! This is Commander 14 of Cryptic Radio, broadcasting on the encrypted frequency. Nonchalance is all around you. Wake up! It's later than you think. The hour of nonchalance is upon you, and the nonchalants are on the move. Have you noticed that some of your fellow nonchalants may be missing a few teeth? This is not a coincidence. In fact, the teeth of nonchalance have value. When the tooth of a nonchalant is drawn from his skull, it continues to resonate with his personality 
and with the greater linkage of other nonchalants worldwide. These are almost like radio transponders in their way and are of great value. Although the currency of nonchalance is the hobo coin, the tooth of a nonchalant, especially preserved in a nonchalant sanctuary, is equally essential, if not more so. If you wish to receive a tooth or purchase one with the special coinage of nonchalance, there are outlets, but one must not be too overt about it. At Paxton Gate, 824 Valencia at 19th Street, the teeth of nonchalance may be available. It might be a good idea to attempt to gain them. Remember, the fact that nonchalance you meet may have missing teeth only gives them validity in their credentials. And now, we have a special guest on the line. Lee, are you there? Yes, hi there, Commander 14. I'd like to welcome one of the agents of nonchalance who works to bring messages over from elsewhere. Lee Redmond, tell us about some of the progress that's being made. As an agent of the world's smallest postal service, I help people send tiny messages from elsewhere to here, from here to there, and from elsewhere to elsewhere. And when you say tiny, you don't mean very short, do you? No, no, the letters sent through the WSPS are physically very small. They're actually smaller than the size of a regular stamp, but they come complete with an envelope, a teeny tiny wax seal, and a little address. So I, I, I think that when things get very small, they make us slow down and sort of notice them more. It brings a little bit of elsewhere to here. So you will transcribe letters for customers, but you also act as a forwarding service for letters from elsewhere, right? Yes, that's right. Sometimes folks in elsewhere want to send a message to someone here, but they don't know where the person is, so they just send it to me. Sometimes they get picked up quickly, but others sit around for a long time waiting to be claimed by the recipient, or even someone who knows the recipient and can pass the letter along. And where can they find you? The Curiosity Shop at 855 Valencia Street is my home base in San Francisco. Sometimes the WSPS wanders between bookstores, bars, coffee shops, but the folks at the Curiosity Shop will always know where to find me. Lee, thanks for joining us on Radio Nonchalance, 107.9 FM. Thank you, 14, and thank you, Radio Nonchalance listeners. This is Commander 14. I'm joining you now on Radio Nonchalance, 107.9 FM. Please continue to attend to these broadcasts. You are going to require experience and immersion in the world of nonchalance. To do so, you must have the proper currency. United States coins and folding money do not operate in the sphere of nonchalance. I repeat, your standard money is unacceptable for nonchalant transactions. The currency of nonchalance is the hobo coin, superficially resembling a wooden nickel. This is an ultra-rare currency of unknown value. When you receive a hobo coin in a nonchalant transaction, make sure that you offer something in exchange or offer a tip which will help the transaction. Make sure that this currency is acquired in the proper manner. It can be acquired from various local street personalities, so-called bums and buskers, inheritors of the hobo tradition. These could be street prophets, apparent lunatics, but they are your source of hobo currency. We are going to provide updated locations and mugshots of these individuals. Study them and learn them. These are your contacts. <laughs> 
go to www.elsewherepublicworks.com. Remember, these people, homeless people, buskers, bums, or what have you, are putting themselves in personal danger to oppose the forces of the Jejun Institute. We strongly recommend that you give them something for their trouble. Give them a tip. And in this case, the currency of the United States is mandated. Please help them out, because they will be providing invaluable help to you in your search. Remember, the currency of nonchalance is the hobo coin. It is up to you to acquire these valuable monetary units, without which no transactions are possible. This is your announcer, Commander 14, broadcasting for a limited time on this special frequency. Keep tuned for vital information. Pay close attention. Prepare for encounters with false nonchalance. Learn to distinguish the real thing from its fatally attractive toxic counterfeit. Follow the secret instructions enumerated in this broadcast. Reject false nonchalance. Examine the phenomenological texture of so-called consensus reality and enact and inculcate the meme of elsewhere. Yes, we have learned that when any two or more nonchalants gather, a special place called elsewhere does exist. This locus is like a safe house, an alternative reality to our current state. It is an arena where communion is possible, bureaucracy is obsolete, no contract is ever required, and trust and intimacy are the norm. The mundane human world evaporates in its presence. No greater gift can be conceived. But beware, in the state of being called elsewhere, where great achievements are possible, great risk is commonplace. To learn of these dangers, to know them, can be to leave one's self open to their baleful influence. When you gaze into the abyss, the abyss can sometimes gaze into you. Still, hope exists, for now we tell you of an extant refuge, according to the persistent legend, an actual physical geographic location where elsewhere exists in continuity, like a safe house, buried deep beneath the Arctic tundra. These and other high secrets of nonchalance must be cultivated and preserved among true nonchalants, but they are not to be foolishly and carelessly revealed to the ignorant mundanes or normals. Know by their deeds the tempters the prophets of false nonchalance, who throughout the centuries have hindered human development and stifled the evolutionary forces which bring forth the nonchalant, reject utterly and abjure their corrupted doctrine. They will ultimately fail if the true nonchalance can cleave to their purpose, but only if we can see past and through their various disguises and apparent probity, for they are but whited sepulchres whitewashed on the outside with ostentatious sanctimony, but within themselves containing all manner of decay and foulness, the loathsome and detestable putrescence of the tomb. Attention! This is Commander 14 of Cryptic Radio, broadcasting on the hidden frequency. Nonchalance is all around you. Wake up! It's later than you think. The false prophets are even now consolidating their forces as they draw up their plans against us. Beware especially the one the world calls Octavio Coleman Esquire, for he is in the present era the main opponent of nonchalance and a cynical and fiendishly inspired divisor of false nonchalance. Social entrepreneur, and self-described philanthropist, founder of the Jejun Institute, chief funder of the algorithm, 
main perpetrator of false nonchalance, CIA operative and informant, saboteur and provocateur, Octavio Coleman Esquire, is the man who is behind all of the monitoring, subversion, and suppression of nonchalance. His goal is to co-opt the influential powers of nonchalance and prevent elsewhere from taking hold. Know your enemy. What does Coleman want? What are his ultimate aims? Listen, and we will tell you. He wants to exploit nonchalance for profit. If his kind know the price of everything and the true value of nothing, still they can intuit a world which they can never attain. From this ultimate value, Coleman and his ilk can only distill in perverse triumph a false monetary value. He wants to promote false nonchalance, luring true nonchalance away from their true paths. Coleman cannot operate successfully within human society without first eliminating the vital instability provided by the existence of the nonchalant. He wants to disrupt the intuition of true nonchalance. Only by doing so can Coleman get away with his master plan for the race. He is collaborating with government agencies to foster these ends. But he knows more about nonchalance than any agent and is constantly misinforming the government about the dangers of nonchalance. Coleman has gained controlling ownership of the algorithm. He has perverted the science true nonchalance have brought forth. He has been hugely successful for the past 20 years in keeping nonchalance a secret. Now he is escalating his aggression against the nonchalant. This is full-scale war, and to be defeated is to accept the manacles and shackles of slavery, for we contend against wickedness in high places, and ours is a spiritual as well as a physical battle. The man known as Octavio Coleman, a.k.a. Orlando Coolman, Lucifer Coverman, Reverend O.C. Sextonfield, His Divine Grace Swami Prayuktananda, and other numerous known aliases, has for many years been wanted for misdemeanors and felonies, property crimes, drug and firearms charges, intellectual piracy, crossing state lines for felonious purposes, violation of the Mann Act, impersonating an officer, perjury and oath-breaking, arson, computer fraud, and statutory rape. And there are other charges. But only paper copies, in many cases incomplete, now survive to detail these unsavory aspects of his early career, since expert computer hacking has long since eliminated all such records from the universal database. During the 1980s, Coleman illegally obtained protected patents and legal control over a series of innovative products. Taking personal credit for these discoveries, Coleman at this time consolidated the Jejun Institute as a limited liability corporation, or LLC. Today, the Institute commands an unheard-of freedom from governmental regulation, or, for that matter, any superior authority. All devices and methods now promoted by the Jejun Institute of today are suspect. Almost satanic parodies of their original shapes, forms, and purposes. Beware! Coleman's proxy eyes and listening devices are everywhere. Without guidance from these broadcasts, do not attempt to employ any creations of the Jejun Institute. The danger at the present time is too great. Commander 14 here... Broadcasting on Radio Nonchalance 107.9 FM to all operatives in this sector. It is important, it must be stressed, not to be influenced by Octavio Coleman Esquire. This negative influence is extremely dangerous and potentially destructive to nonchalance. Remember, whatever you do, do not visit the Jejun Institute, which is located at 580 California Street, Suite 1607, in the city of San Francisco, California. Their zip code is 94104. Do not repeat 
do not make use of this zip code, nor should you under any circumstances call their telephone number in the 415 area code, 325-4014. Repeat, do not call 325-4014 in the 415 area code. This might have dire consequences for all operating nonchalants in this area. And now, the news. Researchers found that most of the United States' 36,000 yearly bunk bed injuries involve male victims, that 58% of African-American children don't know how to swim, and that British children do not brush their teeth properly. Liverpudlian psychologists found that six-year-olds can competently evaluate the plausibility of past tense forms of imaginary verbs like to spling. An increase in pet owl abandonment in Wales was blamed on Harry Potter. Spanish researchers designed a cloak of silence. Commander 14... Calling Eva Lucien. Evelyn, we need you to come in. Repeat, we need you to come in. Emerson has called in. We have a chance of decoding the encryption of the first six phases of the algorithm. But don't go to the safe house. It's been compromised. Coleman's got his goons there now. Use your key and follow the signs. We need you to come in. You are listening to Radio Nonchalance. Dispatches from Elsewhere. Support for this program has been provided by the Elsewhere Public Works Agency. Now, back to our program. If you are curious to learn more about Divine Nonchalance, By all means, watch the 2013 documentary, The Institute, directed by Spencer McCall, found on most streaming platforms. Also, we will be hosting a free online watch party of the sequel film in Bright Axiom about the fallen Latitude Society. We hope you will join us. All can be found at signal.com, which is spelled S Y G N Y L. Very well, I will see you at the Enclave. End episode.